0: the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Today I'm going to talk about a message that for years, even decades, we really haven't had to preach in the church because there was a culture and an assumption made, but today I'm going to preach something that's just crazy that I'm gonna preach about Sunday and church and the Lord's Day and going to church. Like, we shouldn't have to preach on it, but guess what? We're at a point in culture I've gotta preach on it. So I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and I'm really just, uh, I usually preach from the text that I read, but today it's just gonna be a springboard because this is more topical, but I will have lots of scriptures. Hebrews chapter 10. The writer said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now, now, Now look what the Bible says the Bible, God's Word, okay? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, that's church, okay, as is the manner of some. They were having problems with this in the first century. People said, I don't need to go to church. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching, y'all, they thought Jesus was coming then. They didn't know the church age was going to last 2,000 years. But I'm telling you, we are living in the last days of the last days. So this verse really applies to us more than ever before. We need to get together. We need to encourage, exhort one another, challenge one another, make sure that we're keeping ourselves spiritually where we need to be because the day is coming. Jesus Christ could come at any time. And so that's what he's saying. Okay, amen to the word. You can be seated. Thank you. I'm going to start with a little humor. Okay, very little. Country, A country preacher just got tired of going to church every Sunday preaching. He decided to skip church. This is very important. The preacher skipped church. Didn't tell anybody. I mean, he got somebody to fill in for him, but he didn't tell anybody what he was going to do. He decided to go hunting. So he went off up in the mountains, went hunting, skipping church. He got up in the mountains. He's hunting. He walk, he's walking down a trail. He turns a corner, runs, corner and runs into a big black bear. Well, they startled each other. It scared him so much he lost his balance. He went falling down the side of the mountain. His rifle went one way. He went the other. In the fall, he broke both his legs, but he landed on a rock, and he was okay except for the broken legs, but that was the good news. The bad news is he looked up, and here comes that black bear charging him full bore. The preacher said, Lord, I'm so sorry that I skipped church today. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Oh, God, if you can do anything, turn this bear into a Christian bear right now. The story goes that at that moment, the bear came sliding in his haunches right to a halt running right in front of the man, took his paws and put them together and said, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. (laughs) The moral of the story is don't skip church. Are you ready for the corny joke of the week? What do you call it when Batman skips church? Christian Bale. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Look at somebody say, that's bad. Look at somebody say, that's low even for his standards. If you don't know who Christian Bale is, he's an actor who played Batman, but you get it? Christian Bale's. Tr- if you have to explain it, it's no good. The church in America is facing a crisis. It's a major crisis. Church attendance is in a rapid decline. I'm just going to tell you, that's how it is. Some have dropped out of church altogether, while others are simply showing up when it's convenient. A significant portion is staying home on Sunday mornings to watch a service on television or on the Internet, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not just preaching out of theory here. I'm preaching from where I live. This is my turf. This is my area. I'm telling you because I have conversations with lots of them. Local church pastors are pulling their hair out, and they are frustrated, and they are flustered, and they don't know what to do. Leonard Sweet is a theologian, a pastor, and an author. He keeps his pulse on culture and the changes in culture in America. This is what he said 15 years ago, 40% of church members attended four times a month. In 2018, only 10% of church members attended four times a month, a 37% drop in worship attendance. So, he said, you could have the exact same membership church from 15 years ago to today and on Sunday mornings it looks like you've lost over a third of your membership that's where we are people are skipping church and I believe it's because that we have our priorities out of whack now as far as God is concerned a day of worship has always and I use that word always been a top priority humanity let me say that again as far as God is concerned a day of worship has always been a top priority for humanity go back to Genesis chapter 2 at the creation I'm going to show you this on the screen and read it to you verses 1 through 3 and we're going to study this for a minute it's really critical thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Let me show you some things here that are hopefully going to be eye-opening to you as a believer. Now, we know that God created everything in six days and we know that he created the Sun he created the moon he created the stars and with the the science and the knowledge that we have today we understand that the earth uh, uh, turns on its axis okay and then we also know that the earth orbits the Sun okay so those these are all things that God did when God created the world he made the earth to orbit he made the earth to or spin on its axis and made the earth to orbit around the suns. These are all part of the natural order, but they are things that God designed to occur within the natural order. So out of that, what do we get? Well, out of that creation that he did, that natural order, we get a 24-hour day. Okay, the earth moving on its axis. Out of the orbit around the sun, we get our year, our time period of a year, 365 of those days it takes to go around the sun. We even get our seasons out of the sun and the moon and the stars and how things work in that with the tilting of the earth. But let me show you something. There is one time period that is not found within the natural order of things. God created it verbally. God created it, made it in and of himself, and that is the week. The week. And he made it in a model for us. He, the the seven-day period of time, through the creation process, he modeled for us what a week should look like. You work six days, and then you rest from work on the seventh day. Okay? And, and he, he did this on purpose. It's not that God needed rest, because he's God. He doesn't get tired. So we know that he's doing this for humanity. I'm going to show you how this week will work. And so God worked for six days, rested on the seventh day. And let me teach you something. And when the Bible says that he rested on the seventh day, it is the Hebrew word Shabbat. And it is from that word, or Shabbat, it is from that word that we get our word Sabbath or Sabbath. Sabbath. Anybody ever heard of the Sabbath? Okay, so the Sabbath, a lot of people think the Sabbath comes out of Israel and the old Mosaic law. No, no, no. Sabbath goes all the way back to Genesis chapter two in the creation of the world. God created a Sabbath. The seventh day is a Sabbath. He listen. God created the Sabbath, the day of rest, and God rested on the Sabbath. Y'all seeing this? And now the Bible says in these verses that God did two things. He blessed the seventh day, and then he sanctified the seventh day. He said, "What does that mean when you bless that day?" Let me let me give you the answer, so you don't have to try to figure it out. When God made that day and blessed it, it is to be a day of joy and gladness. The the, the Sabbath should be a day of joy and gladness, of inner renewal, and of praise to God. And when something is sanctified, it simply means that it is set apart from the other days as a special day. You cannot miss this. God made the seventh day special. Are you hearing me? He sanctified it. He sanctified it. He set it apart. He said, this day is not like the other days. Okay? So God wants all of humanity, and especially his church, to treat the seventh day different from the sixth day. I put this in my notes. Six days a week, you primarily connect to the world that God has made. However, on the seventh day, you primarily connect with the God who made this world. Now, I want to take you to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. This is a passage that if you grew up in church, you're probably familiar with. And even if not, you're probably familiar with because it's part of a greater passage that um, that most people are familiar with. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And in it you shall do no work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. All right, let me show you some things. Does anybody recognize this? This is part of the Ten Commandments. Okay? Now, if it's part of the Ten Commandments, it must be important. And I know that there has been a movement the last few years... And I've read the material and I've heard people say it. That people have said, well, you know, we're not under the law. Sabbath was part of the Old Testament law. So there aren't ten commandments anymore. There's only nine. Uh, They say that. All the commandments apply to you. But that one about remember the Sabbath day, that was a Jewish thing. That was an Israel thing. So we don't have to remember. And so pastors are teaching their preachers that there isn't a Sabbath anymore. I think I've already taken care of this because of the fact that I showed you it doesn't flow from the Old Testament law it flows from the creation okay so that argument doesn't hold water it's not true preachers are preaching something that's not true and they're robbing their people of obeying God okay Um, in Mark 227 Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath the Sabbath was made for man God made Adam first, but then he gave him a day of rest. He gave him six days to work, but then he gave him a day of rest. God gave us something. He gave us a week, six days to work, a day of rest. So God expects you to take a Sabbath day each week. Now that's the part right there where I need to stop. Did you really just hear what I said to you? God expects you to take a sabbath day each week. Now remember, this is part of the 10 commandments, right? So there's a moral element to this command. All right, is murder still wrong? Is coveting still wrong? Is lying still wrong? Is idolatry still wrong? Some of you act like you're unsure. The answer is yes. Okay, is using the Lord's name still wrong? Let me show you something. The Ten Commandments are the moral law of God. The moral law of God has always been, will be, is, and will always be p- pertinent to, to all times and all places and all people. It's always wrong to murder, it has been, always will be. It's always wrong to covet, has been, always will be. It's always wrong to lie, has been, always will be. It's always wrong to dishonor your father and mother, but it's always right to honor your father and mother, is and will be. Well, guess what? It's always been right to keep a Sabbath. It is right to keep a Sabbath now, and it always will be right to keep a Sabbath. It's, it's, a, it's a, one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day means mark that day on your calendar. Be mindful of it. Don't forget about it. Make it special because God has made it special. And yes, while the Sabbath did not originate with the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, that law helps us to understand how it works we look to the Jews and how they treated the Sabbath and we understand you do two things on that day you don't work like a job and you worship God you dwell on God you think about God and and it's a time to be spiritually renewed Okay, so let's fast forward from, from that period to the New Testament that we live in now how does the Sabbath fit into the New Testament well for the Jews Saturday was the Sabbath Okay, if you look in your calendar Sunday is the first day of the week a lot, a lot of times we don't think we think Monday is the first day of the week, but look on your calendar. some of you right now go, uh-uh yeah huh. Go look on your calendar. Sunday is the first day of the week. okay? Sunday's the first. Day. So Saturday was the last day of the week in the Jewish calendar. So Saturday was the Sabbath and that's how it's been for a long long time. They connected the Sabbath with creation. all right? Jesus comes, introduces the New Testament, the New Covenant, all right and he rises from the dead on Sunday, the first day of the week, all right? And then the the early church made the connection with the Sabbath, with the Lord's resurrection, and so they changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, and that's why now in in the church, we look at Sunday as the Sabbath day. It's been that way for for 2,000 years. It, we connect it with the Lord's resurrection, not with creation. By the way, it's the, the the Jews connected it with God's creation. When Jesus coming back to life, we connect it. And, and saving people and making them be born again, we connect it with recreation. That was cool, if you, whether you got that or not. That was really cool. So, we... They began meeting together on Sunday for corporate worship and to hear the Word of God, and this has been the general pattern of the church for 2,000 years. So here's, I got three points today, three things that I want to get across to you. Number one is we need to prioritize the Sabbath. And so what I'm saying to you in this point is God prioritizes Sabbath, the Lord's day, and so should we. It's just, it's not just another day of the week, y'all. It's special. God made it special, and we need to value it, and we need to make it important again. All right, now. I want to talk about protecting it because it is clear to me that there has been an obvious satanic attack against the lord's day and the church in america look he's already attacked the ten commandments we've gotten them out of the schools he's already attacked prayer we've got prayer out of the schools all right we've already he's already attacked the bible now he now he's going after sunday and, and if you're not seeing this I'm going to preach today to help you see this so that you won't be ignorant of what Satan is doing. Think about how various institutions view Sunday. Corporations schedule work shifts on Sunday, elevating the Almighty Dollar over God. I don't know. Some of you have to, or some of you who are in the medical field, you have to work on Sunday because th- there's needs to be met. And I understand that. And I'm not saying that nobody should ever work on Sunday. I know that sometimes that happens. I know that they have these swing shifts. I'm not saying that. If you have to work on Sunday, you have to do what you have to do if that's what happens in your particular field. What I want you to notice is outside of, say, a hospital where people who are sick have to be tended to, Michelin doesn't have to work you on Sunday. But the French care more about making dollars in America than they do your spiritual life, unlike Grady's or Chick-fil-A. So, somebody tell John Phillips I gave them free advertisement this morning. <laughs> Schools schedule spring break the same week as Easter. Oh, maybe I'm just being a pastor with a pet peeve right now, but let me get it off my chest. And I, I, I'm having to watch now where many of my members go on vacation and schedule a week to go to the beach for spring break and fail to attend the biggest church day of the year. Oh, now I'm going to sound old. Sound like your daddy now. It used to be, there it was, I said it. I'm in trouble. It used to be that when spring break did fall, that people would go to the beach, but they'd come back Saturday because they said, we got to be in our church Sunday. It's Easter. All the family's coming in. we got to have everybody there. This is the biggest day of the year. This is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we've lost that. I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty. I'm just telling facts. We've lost that. And the schools don't care. Recreational leagues have no consideration for the Lord's Day scheduling practices and games on Sunday. Well, my daughter plays volleyball. My son plays baseball. My son's in a basketball league. Pastor, what am I supposed to do? You take them them and let them go play on Sunday. I don't know what else to tell you. I can't preach against it. Jaron did it for years. I can never get up here and rail rail on y'all because my son played baseball. Travel ball, did it all. Went off to college and ended up playing Double uh, division one NCAA baseball for four years so I can't rag on you but it is amazing how the, you know, the games you can't help it but the practices it used to be they'd say you know we practice after it. not anymore and if you don't go you feel pressure because you feel like your son or your daughter will get cut or not get an opportunity and they'll put somebody else ahead of them and they know that and they use it Satan has influenced our social cultural conception. That the week is split into two parts. The work week. What's the rest of it? And the what? Go ahead and say it. The weekend. It's hump day. Hump day, right? Two more days, if I can get through Thursday and Friday, if I can just get through Friday, if I can just get to 5 o'clock, yeah, the weekend, woo, the weekend. We live for the weekend. All the beer commercials say just live for the weekend and buy you one of those 118-pack beers that you got to carry in four carts and take it home and drink all weekend, party all weekend, do things all weekend. It's the weekend. You don't have to do anything else on the weekend but just not work, right? Let's just call it like it is. I, I'm being bombastic, I know that, I don't really care, I'm making fun. The work week is for labor, our culture says, and the weekend is for leisure. Are you listening to me? Come on, if the shoe fits, we need to wear it. I don't expect any amens, hang on, I'll be done. And so the resulting perception, labor, leisure, work, Weekend, to do whatever. Here's the resulting perception, is that Sunday morning is a recreational period of time. So for many, the Lord's day has become my day. Oh yeah, I'm letting you stew in it right now. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Lord's Day is no longer the Lord's Day. The early church called it the Lord's Day. It's your day, Lord. We're going to do what you want on that day. No, not anymore. It's my day. My day. Okay? And so we it's my day to do what I want and to minimize God and the church. And here's what Satan is saying. You need to shake off the bonds of any obligation to go to God's house, and you need to enjoy your freedom. And you know what? That's exactly what the devil said to Adam and Eve in the garden all those many years ago. the devil is after your sunday experience and he wants to rob you of it and if he can keep you out of church consistently consistently he knows that it will deplete and deteriorate your spiritual life you'll become isolated from your church family and you'll miss out on multiple blessings that could have been yours from god if only you had been at church on sunday and the devil hopes that that you, your continued absence, listen to me now, that your continued absence from the house of God will teach your children that Sunday doesn't matter either. Because y'all, more th- I'm a parent, now a grandparent. More things are caught than they are taught. You need to fight back. I'm preaching this morning hoping that there will be a generation that will fight back. And protect Sunday morning. So will you listen to your pastor, okay, who lives in the real world like you? Listen to me. Let me help you do what God wants you to do. I just put some practical things down. Plan your weekend activities around Sunday morning. Do it Saturday night. Come to church, grab you some lunch, and you got all afternoon and evening. Do it then. Whatever you're going to do, Do it some other time. Schedule events on Saturday nights, Sunday after church. Teach your children by example that church is never to be sacrificed. So sometimes they complain. They're kids. They're supposed to complain. My teenagers grumble, complain. That's what teenagers do. You don't give in to them. You threaten them. Get in that. You better get in that car, so. That'll get him in the car. While I while I wear you out, your mama's gonna be taking a video. We're gonna post it on Facebook. Tag all your friends. (laughs) Now they said they didn't want to go. Tell them, if you don't get in that car, I'll rip your arm off and then we'll go to church and pray for healing and get in that car. (laughs) Take you to the elders, but you may be bleeding, but get in the car. You don't let children dictate your, you're in charge. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak and they just full of flesh. They're teenagers. They got hormones. Is this, this, it's just like, I shouldn't even have to be preaching this. You know what I love? I love when people bring their kids here. This is what's so great. For all of you people who, you know, right now I'm like all over you. I ain't on your toes right now. Like I'm kicking your shins and I'm clipping, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking you in the tail right now. I mean, it's, just, it's all hurting all over right now. What's so crazy is I got new people who come, Tim. I had this happen like about, about a month ago. New family, and they brought their child, came went one time, and is begging his parents, can we come back? Can we come back? Please, can we come back? Can we come back? Your kids want to be here. Bring your kids to church. They want to be They need to be here. I need to move on. <laughs> te- 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 teach your children that it is imperative that you take time once a week to connect with God on a spiritual and corporate level. It's important. God says it's important. God says you need it. You know, if I had the time this morning, and, and we're okay. I think we're all right here. I did a study on the Sabbath, the whole seven days, six days don't work. In France, when they had the revolution, the enlightenment, they got rid of the Sabbath. They made people work seven days a week. People were getting sick and wearing out, and they tried to run the machines seven days a week. Even all you plant managers know that you have to, have a, you have to stop the machines every once in a while. Once in a while, you have to fix them in the plant. Michelin knows this. You have to stop them. You have to fix them. You have to redo them so that they can run. For those long stretches at times. God made us. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Doctors will tell you that if you work nonstop and don't take a break, you will wear your immune system down, you will get sick, your body will break down. You are designed where after six days, you are supposed to take one day and do nothing, and it's like it's like one of those rechargeable batteries where you stick it in that unit, that the plug in the wall, and if you just give it time, the battery goes back up and it charges back up, or it's like plugging in your laptop or, or your iPad or your your phone the battery goes back up you but you can't use it you stop it you got to let it let it rest and then when you do God says if you'll just take one day of rest doctors tell us that in one day of rest every bit of energy that we give out in six days is restored in us bam so that you can go back on Monday and you can hit it again now that is a that is a physiological fact God knew what he was doing when he made a Sabbath day So we need to protect it. So here's my challenge. Let's make Sunday great again. It'll be huge. Stand on my Donald Trump impersonation. How do we make Sunday great again? Let's pursue it with a passion. We need to prioritize it. We need to protect it. Now what I'm asking high praise is people, you, us, me, my family, my church, my brothers and sisters, let's pursue it. Don't ever let your kids say, hear you say, we have to go to church tomorrow. Hush your mouth. Look at your kids and say, "Whoo, we get to go to church tomorrow. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Adopt a mindset of joy and gladness. Okay, now look, if this was the first church of the Frigidaire, I don't know that I'd want to come here either. But you sure don't get bored in this church. And the spirit of the living God is here. Do you see this altar service we just had? I mean, God's touching people. that You should want to come here. You should not want to miss here because you might miss out something on something for you. So show up each week expecting something great to happen in your lives. Can I show you just a little something here as we're closing? In the New Testament, there are two days Where things happen on the first day of the week, which we now call the Lord's Day, Sunday, that were significant. All right? The first one was the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is 50 days, all right? It is the day after a Sabbath. You have seven Sabbaths, and then you have the day of Pentecost, which is if you had seven Sabbaths to Saturday, and then Pentecost means 50, 50 days. And so then on that Sunday, they were all in one place, one accord. Sounds like church. They were praying. Sounds like church, when suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them, divided tongues like fire, one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave them the utterance. So here's what happened. On the first day of the week, the church got together. God poured his spirit out. Then they walked outside. There were thousands of people who had come into Jerusalem, maybe tens of thousands. Tens of thousands that had come for the feast of Pentecost and and Peter and John and the other ten apostles start preaching Jesus and 3,000 souls got saved that day. Okay, and we're water baptized. All right, all right. Now let me take you the last one. Then you go to the book of Revelation, and John the Baptist has been exiled to the Isle of Patmos for his faith in Jesus Christ. The Romans arrested him, sent him on, sent him there. You know, he, he's in, he's he's on, he's on the rock, man. He's like out there in San Francisco, you know, on the rock, and and but he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and he said, I heard a voice behind me. He said, Come up hither. Come up here. And he said, I was caught up in the spirit. And then he gets this full, watch this, revelation. What the name of the book is. The book of revelation, right? And he's just hearing the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus. I thought about that and God said, preach this. See, the two vents that are recorded in the New Testament that happen on the first day of the week of the Lord's Day involves this. The church gets together and God, watch this, God pours out his spirit, people are filled with the Holy Ghost, a bunch of people get saved, and the word of God goes forth. And isn't that what's supposed to happen on Sunday morning in every church in America? It doesn't, but that's what happens here. You get up, drive here, you walk in, and as soon as you get in here, the music's playing, and you can already feel the presence of God, and the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, and then we begin to praise and worship him, and I preach the gospel, and sometimes at the end or sometimes in the middle of the service, sinners get under conviction, and they start praying, oh, God, save me of my sins, and people start saying, I want more of you, God, and they start speaking in a heavenly language. Get the power of God, y'all. That's what's supposed to happen on Sunday. This shows us in the Bible right there Think of all the wonderful things You will experience only at church Feeling God's presence You say well I feel God's presence Other places Yeah but not like when you're in here It's different Getting a handshake or a hug From people who love you Feeling loved Feeling accepted Feeling that sense of belonging Having someone talk to you About your spiritual life Having somebody pray with you. Having your spiritual needs met. Praising and worshiping God with other believers. So I praise God and worship God in my car. It's not the same. It's not the same when you get with other believers. Say prove it. Okay, the Bible says, but you are living stones that form a holy habitation. So when you get all the bricks called you together, we form a holy church. And then the Bible says, then the spirit of God comes in. God moves different when the church comes together. That's in Ephesians. Think about what happens, your children being ministered to, discipled. We've got top-notch ministries for our children and our students. You pray, and then, and then not just what happens to you, but what happens through you. You get to pray with someone. You get to pray for someone. You get to serve in a ministry. You get to connect with a new family. Let me just say this. Statistics show that many people hear the gospel and are saved more often at church than on, on Sunday. This is still the place where people find Christ. So I'm just going to make say the obvious. You can't bring a friend to church if you're at home or the mountains or Atlanta because another one of your 12 kids had a birthday and you got to go off. I feel so much better now. <sighs> I had to get that out. Some people are praying, help him, Jesus, to get done. Help him, Jesus, to get done. (laughs) Honey, hold on. five more minutes. We'll be out of here. The Lord's Day, every 52, 52 times out of the year, the Lord's Day gives you 52 opportunities to invite somebody to church who needs Jesus, to get somebody here who needs to hear the gospel, who needs to experience the presence of God, who needs a life change. They can have their sins washed away and be ever for changed by the power of God. There are some good things and some God things that will only happen to you on Sunday at church. But the only way you can experience them is that you've got to show up faithfully. And so I guess today I'm just advocating for the Sabbath. I'm advocating for the Lord's Day. I'm, I'm standing in the gap for it. It's taking a beating been diminished in value it's not what it once was i don't think we really truly understand what we got but we do now old donald trump whatever you think of him that man's sometimes crazy isn't he he says stuff he just he just tears me all up so i don't really care about your political affiliation this has nothing to do with that i'm just going to use our president because it just fits what i'm preaching today it just it works so i'm just using something from culture that old man ran on a slogan, make America great again. Now, some people think America was just fine. That's not my point. My point was he didn't. He, he thought that America wasn't what it could be and what it should be economically and in many, many ways. And so he wanted to be in that presidency where he could wield the power, work with Congress, et cetera, to see if he could make our country great again. All right now, whether or not he's doing that, I don't. That's not why I'm up here. That's forget. The point is that was his slogan. Make America. He had he had a vision of what he thought it could be. Maybe we had gotten away from some things in his mind. that We needed to get back to. Okay, I, 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 I get. It. There's, there's nothing political here. I'm just telling you. We all know that was his slogan, and and that's what he did. I was a kid with a staff. I said I'm just gonna borrow from Donald Trump because I don't want really talk about american politics that's not what i do i'm a preacher i'm in the kingdom of god but i sure would like to see us make sunday great again i'd like to see it become a day that people cherish and value and can't wait to get here and get touched by the spirit of god and connect and it just be what god intended and and then protect sunday when you go home rest okay well stuff got to be fixed that's why god gave you saturday or if you work and Tuesday's your day off take Tuesday off Sunday's not a day of rest for me I'm working my work week is Sunday through Thursday come Thursday afternoon okay I guess that makes Tuesday hump day for me hump day I love doing that with a microphone so come Thursday, because Friday, unless something happens, and i got a wedding this weekend, we're going to have a lot of time. The Campbells, I seen back there, we're going to have a big time. we got a wedding this weekend, that's fine. I might take Thursday off. I might tell my staff I'm not coming in, i got to have a Sabbath. Because I've worked seven straight days. I worked three straight weeks one time. I didn't get a break. We just had all this stuff going on. It about wore me out. God, I don't think God was pleased. Did you hear what I said? I don't think God was pleased. I want to please him. And I want to do what's best. So, even though our culture and society have diminished and devalued the importance of the church and Sunday, we cannot afford to follow their lead. We need to value the Lord's day. So, I hope today has helped you. I hope today has helped you. I hope you'll go home and have conversations after this message. I hope you'll go home and go out to eat today. And I I hope nobody will say, he didn't know what he's talking about. I hope you don't do that because I know, I know what I'm talking about and I'm just the messenger I hope you'll go and say you know are, are we doing that do we need to do better Did, have we kind of assumed some things or, oh, do, do we need to change because God needs you here I need you here new people need you here are you hearing me New people need you here. They need they need to get in the environment where the church is. Sinners need you here, as we're worshiping and celebrating and together there is this atmosphere, the presence of God, and God begins to convict and draw sinners. We're part of that. Can you see that? Whether or not you do anything, and you just sit in the chair for you know for an hour, it doesn't matter. You're doing something, and God's using you to touch lives